Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. 2 Corinthians 6, 11. If you have it, say amen. And it says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our hearts are wide open. Now I want to say this because I want you to notice the O Christians there. Is, is, is an, that's an emotional expression. When you say, oh, uh, you're, you're trying to get a point across. And so that's what's happening there. Verse 12, it says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. And it says, verse 13, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. And then going on, to the next verse it says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord meaning unity and harmony with Christ has Christ with Belia which means the devil what part has a believer with an unbeliever verse 16 and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord of hosts. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would anoint this service from this point. God, let us contain and keep and sustain what you've already declared. God, may we not lose what you've already said. But Lord, may this be a continuation of what you're trying to get our heart to understand. That God, there cannot be two. There is only one. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. This, this scripture was screaming to me uh, as I was studying this week. And I, this is a little bit different type of message that you hear me preach. Normally, I have a style. There's a, how many knows that ministers have a style? Everybody has a style. And this really is a little bit kind of different than my style, but I feel like it's what God wants to say. It's what He wants to say. And Paul is speaking and he's saying here, he, he was taking uh, the Corinthians to, to that remembrance of their purity. We see that Paul is saying, we have taken you in as our own. We've taken you in as family. This is not, let me just say it like this, this is not a club, you're family to me. You matter. And he's saying, you're, he's, in one way, he's saying, you're like my children. Uh, we've spoken fully and frankly to you. There, I, I've been all open to you, he's saying. But you haven't even defended me against the enemies. He said, I'm being open with you. I'm an open book. I, I'm not hiding anything. There's no secrets here. But he says, you've not even defended me against the enemies because... Paul was asking the, Christ, the, the Corinthians 
to open their hearts to God and to open their hearts to Him. Uh, and the reason this was being said was because there was accusations that were against Paul, and there, then it was their own sinful uh, endeavors. So it was accusations against God's leadership, and it was also the sin that they had gotten themselves in that, that began to bring restrictions, that began to bring barriers, and it resulted in the Corinthians now withdrawing from Him, meaning God, ultimately, um, because the suspicion planted by the enemy had restricted their affections toward Paul. And I want you to understand that the enemy's ultimate goal is to push you away from the presence of God. He goes on to say, I don't want you to be unequally yoked. And, and Paul is here and he's saying, um, we see the Corinthians, they were, uh, settling, uh, they were settling in without the principles. They were settling in and they were developing a dangerous affection for evil influences. Uh, there was evil influences that were coming into the party and they were coming into the clan and that influence was, that influence was infiltrating. Um, it, was, it was getting involved with what was pure. And Paul is saying light cannot marry darkness. What he was saying, you're the light in darkness. And he says, do not allow the darkness to influence you. But how many knows the light dispels darkness? And so there was an influence uh, that was trying to get into uh, the principles of God, the things that Paul had been teaching the Corinthians. And this gospel is not a behavioral modification gospel. It is the gospel of transformation. So it's not a gospel of modification, but it's a gospel of transformation. How many knows the transformation will modify you? It'll shape you. It'll, it'll mold you. And this gospel uh, message, if it's received and not restricted, it can transform you. It can change the way that you think. It can change the way that you act. And we see here that he says, he, basically he's saying, as he said in Romans 12, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how I, uh, how I am influenced is how I think. So if I'm influenced wrongly, then I'm going to think incorrectly. So we see here, how many knows that your influence is, uh, uh, that your influence gets in the way of what you think? So whatever influences you changes your thought process. And that thought process will make you do something. That's your decision. Uh, I, I don't do anything that I don't think. Come on, somebody. I have to think about it before I take action on it. And so, but then when I take action, then I'm going to get the result of whatever I've taken action to. So we have to understand that the influence will get in the way of my decision and my decision becomes my reality. Paul tells them to be cleansed from all filthiness, to wash away all the dirt from both flesh and spirit because on the side of Christ is holiness and dedication. How many knows there's two sides? But on the side of Christ is holiness and dedication. Say that with me. On the side of Christ is holiness and dedication. Say it again. On the side of Christ is holiness and 
See, let's get that in our mind. On the side of Christ is holiness and dedication. And we see here that in the book of John, chapter number 19, verse 33, we can even see the picture of this as he's pierced in his side. When he's pierced in his side, when the soldier pierced him on the side, it says out of his side came blood, somebody shout humanity, and water, which represents divinity. So there's humanity and water flowing out. This blood was for, the. we know this, the purifying of sins. It was for redemption. And then the water was for the imparting life. So blood was for the redemption. Water was for the imparting life. Let me just say it this way. The blood, the water flowed out of the side because the blood was for atonement and the water was for purification. So His blood justified me. Listen to me. His blood justified me. His Word sustains me. His blood justified me. His Word sanctifies me. So so we know that the blood justifies me, but I have to be constant in the watering of the Word to be sanctified. How many knows you can live saved, labeled, but not be sanctified? And so this is what is happening here. Paul was saying that the Lord sacrificed the washing of the, of the Word and the redeeming power of the blood. He's saying this will be the radiance of the perfect body. This will be the perfect bride. When we allow that redemption uh, nature of the blood to redeem us, but have His Word in our life to sustain us. And how many knows His Word is His anointing? Come on, somebody. His Word is anointed. And his, and his anointing is His Word. So that watering there, we can also see that that water is the part of the river that He's imparted into you. So there is the blood and there is the river. If I need help, I can get in the current. Come on, somebody. If I need direction, I can just really relax in my redemption. When I relax in my redemption, when I'm thinking upon Him, the Lord says that He keeps my mind in perfect peace. Without Him in my mind, I will live my life in chaos. I will live my mind without direction. I will live my life without direction. But we know that His sacrifice substituted for my sin. I'm thankful for that. I can praise God for that. I'm thankful that Jesus paid it all for my sin. And we know that we must be on the side of Jesus who appeared as the high priest of the good things to come. If we go back, even last week we talked about Him being the greater and the more perfect sacrifice. That He was the sacrifice not made by human hands. Not of creation and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. Jesus, the One who entered the holy place, obtained eternal redemption for me and for you. And it was not, he said, for if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled for those who have been defiled, sanctified their cleansing, how much more with the blood of Jesus Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience, come on somebody, from dead works to serve the living God. This was the starting ground. This was the place, the foundation. How many knows the blood is the foundation? And I said this the other day, when blood is applied, the enemy is denied. But sometimes you have to understand that to to operate 
through this faith, you must work with the faith that God has given in you. Faith without works is dead. Which means if I'm not living out my life, lining it out with this Word, I'm going to die as well because sin only takes you in one direction. And that street is called death. That street is called destruction. Jesus died in my place, gave me His innocence and His righteousness. 1 Corinthians tells us this, that He who knew no sin became sin for you and I, that we might become the righteousness of God. Can anybody shout about that? That He allowed what He did for me to become innocent. He, he went to the cross, gave His life, and, and he, was a, he was the one who was spotless. He was the one who was pure. And He went to the cross so that I could live out His innocence. So that I could put on His righteousness. And in our opening Scripture, Paul was saying, in order to sustain what He has given to you freely, he's saying, don't associate with those who practice immorality. It's going to get quiet now. But in no way is he referring avoid contact with the world. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, I don't, he said, don't avoid contact with unbelievers who are immoral. If you do that, you would have to isolate yourself from the world entirely. There's no way that you and I could isolate ourselves in a closet somewhere and just stay there and be effective for the kingdom. But exclude yourself, watch this, with fellowship with anyone who calls himself a believer and practices immorality. So what he's saying is you've got to be careful with who you're keeping company with. What he's saying here is that sexual immorality, greed, adultery, uh, abuse, drunkenness, he's like, don't mingle. And he even goes on to say, don't even eat a meal. Don't eat a meal or mingle with this kind of per se believer. Because he says, in the, he says this, he says there is a, a priesthood, especially in this day and this hour, there is a divine separation that's taken place. And there has to be. Because what God wants to do, uh, He wants to do it through a people who He can do it through. If you are not pure, Come on, somebody. How many knows a clogged pipe can never have anything flow out of it? But there must be a clearing of the pipe so that the divine oil can flow through us. And Jesus is praying even with His disciples. We understand that He was praying with His disciples going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And John 17 says, on His way to the Garden of Gethsemane, He says this, they are not of this world. He says, I've given them the glory. I've given them the power. I've given them the authority. He said, you gave me this power. You gave me this authority. And he said, I'm praying and I'm going to give them this ability and I'm going to give them this power. Now, the blood saved you, but the Holy Ghost has kept you. Come on, somebody. And so what he is saying, he said, I'm, I'm redeemed, I've redeemed them. He said, but I'm going to give them that same ability, that same dove that you allowed from the heavens to hover me and to cover me. And he, he said, that same spirit, 
uh, that raised me from the dead. He said, I'm going to not only bless them by their acceptance of my blood, but if they'll open themselves up to the fullness of my spirit, I'm going to give them the ability not only to be redeemed, but that redemption be sustained. And in them, you and me completely, this is when we're unified as one. He's saying when we're unified as one, he said when we're separated as the remnant, you've heard people say the remnant, that's what the remnant is. The remnant is the Zadok priesthood. The remnant is the one who is taking time to communicate with heaven. The remnant is the one who's opening up the good book and taking a look, not for them, but for him. So that I can change me. I cannot change anybody if I've not been changed by what this scripture is saying. And so he's saying, I must be completely unified with them so that the world will know that you sent me because you love them. He's saying, we must walk different. Paul says, we must look different than the world. Light looks different than darkness. Darkness cannot affect light, but light can affect darkness. So if I'm putting them on same level, then I'm going to be confused in all my ways. He says, go ahead and eat, go ahead and help, go ahead and work with unbelievers. He said, but do it without compromise. What he's saying is, go, go into the world, but don't compromise. Don't compromise, don't put out your light just so that you can uh, fit in with them. And 1 Corinthians tells us, uh, chapter number 15, 33, says, do not be deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. I'm just going to ask anybody a question. Have you ever been corrupted because you were deceived? You know, you, it, it, felt, it felt like a little bit of light because the devil comes as an angel. He's, he's angelic in all his ways. He'll come up, pull you up a seat and say, hey, do you know? Next thing you know, you're, you, you've formed your little clique. And, 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 and you, are, you, you just realize, you can feel it when you lay down at night. Your heart just don't feel the same. Why? Because that seed of corruption got in your heart. Next thing you know, there's a clique of corruption. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring the separation. He's all about dividing God's people. But he wants to separate you to destroy you. God's trying to separate you. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to be good because I want to teach this out. But the, the Corinthians Christians were, this is what was going on. They were allowing lawlessness as righteousness. They were allowing Darkness as light. And to admit that Bela was right in uh, with, let's just say it like this, the way it is, Christ and Antichrist as the same. The devil and Antichrist are on the same throne. Uh, or the devil and, and, and Jesus are on the same throne. That's what was going on. There was, there was equality with the wickedness and also with restoration. So there was holiness and wickedness they were, that were coming in with one another, communicating with one another, and they were putting it on the same level. So there was, and then, so Paul's saying, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? They were in a struggle with adultery. 
this adultery was influencing the way they thought. It was influencing, if it influences their thoughts, how many knows that it was influencing their actions? And so Paul was saying these temples are to be holy. If, if the temples are to be holy, i got to protect the holiness. I must protect presence. And, and we understand that Jesus prayed that protection as He was going to the garden that the world would see a difference in the believer. That the world would see a difference in the disciples, in the believer in that time. That He wanted, he wanted the world to see the difference. And I'm just convinced that there's not been enough difference in the church. You know, there's not been enough difference uh, of, there's not been enough light in dark places. And Ezekiel says this, it says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. He says, I'm the temple of God. In the midst of me will be my presence. I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. And Paul is saying, come out from among them, separate, do not touch the unclean thing. And listen, it's not a question of emptying your heart of life or, or your life of every, every desire, every worldly desire. That's unattainable. That's impossible. But he is saying that he's saying, allow the truth, allow the, the gospel, allow this message to sweep through. What he's saying is allow his love to change you. How many knows that when you realize what he did, it's easier not to do the things that you've been doing? When you realize that he loved you enough to take his own life so that you could have life, you, honestly, it's, it's, you don't want to be rebellious. The only reason Adam was rebellious in the garden was because he was told not to do something. Okay? There was a tree that he could not partake of. And that brought up rebellion. Law will bring up rebellion in a people. But when you understand the love of God, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to tell you that the Word will cleanse you if you will allow the relationship that you experience, that you have received to change you. God says, I want the, that relationship to create such a river that when it comes up, it has to wash out. And so the heart is filled and fueled with the fact that not only do you have eternal life, but I have abundant life, which means I have eternal salvation, but I also can live in peace. I also can live in His joy. I also can live in a place where all hell is breaking loose in my life, but I can live in His goodness anyway. I can live kind to others because I'm allowing the watering of the Word to change my heart posture, to change my thinking, to change my personality. How many knows that the power of the Holy Spirit will change your personality? You begin to hate the things that you used to love and love the things that you used to hate. This is what love will do to your heart. You say, well, how do you know that? The reason that I know that is because when I fell in love with somebody, I quit wanting to do the things that I desired to do. I wanted to do whatever they wanted to do. I sacrificed my time because I would rather be with that kind of love than be without it. 
There is a glorious promise for those who are willing to separate. How many knows when you marry somebody, it's a sacrifice? You have to be willing to separate. You have to be willing to dedicate your time. You have to be willing to get rid of some things that your flesh likes to do. Because you would rather be with love than be without love. I feel that right there. You would rather be with somebody who loves you unconditionally, all your flaws and all. They love you. And you would rather be with them then go to your favorite movie picture then go to your favorite place of habit you will do whatever it is that you've got to do because you've never experienced love like that and a believer has a different purpose a believer has a different goal a believer has a different hope and standard why because they that when you marry his standard when you marry his hope when you marry his ways then the next thing you know he begins to start influencing you you begin to become influenced by truth you begin to become influenced by not only truth but by way of the holy spirit and the holy spirit will begin to lead you and guide you and direct you but you cannot Go in the right direction if you are not reading what direction you're supposed to go. God's glory is the ultimate go. I want you to say that with me. God's glory is the ultimate go. And we see that Paul invokes a reference, uh, and I want you to follow me here in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10. It says this uh, He's warning, I'm just going to paraphrase, He's warning them against plowing with an ox and a donkey yoked together. And I wish I had a donkey and an ox. We'd demonstrate this. But he's plowing with an ox and a donkey yoked together. He's saying, I want you to see this picture in, in his illustration, what he's speaking. He says, perhaps this is because, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's saying, how many knows that the, the, the donkey probably will get too fast? You know, the ox will be a little bit slower. So they're unequally yoked. They cannot walk side by side. Perhaps this is because the donkey would struggle to pull the ox load and the, the donkey would try to get away to, of the ox, whatever the case may be. But I want you to look in 2 Corinthians. Paul seems to be taking a deeper spiritual reality, advising God's people to be cautious of yoking with people who serve lawlessness, drunkenness, idol worship, and Satan himself. While we're clearly called to love, serve, and work with the non-believer, Paul was saying, do not be unequally yoked with them. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? Look at Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. The answer lies within what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you. <laughs> Boy, this is good. One part of the yoke is around you, watch this, and the other part is around Jesus. And if I take the yoke of Jesus, if, he, if I'm on the side of Jesus, then my burden will be easy. My yoke will be easy. My burdens will be light. There will be no strain to it. So if you want to figure out where you are when you trust in Him and you're leaning upon Him, it will not be a struggle to serve Him. You hear what I'm saying? Why? Because He's leading me. How many knows Jesus is the lead ox? And He determines what I bear. Come on, somebody. And He determines my pace. And He determines my path. And He determines what I'm going to submit to. Because if I start going the, the wrong way, he'll, 
no, pull me. He'll pull me over and say, we got to go this way. Don't turn your head that way. I, I, there's a destiny in front of you. Don't look to the right nor the left, but keep your focus. And, and through the yoke, we feel the pull. Hallelujah. Through the yoke, we feel the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Through the yoke, we feel His direction that He leads us and guides us into everything that's true. His yoke begins to train me and lead me and even sensitize me to His, to his direction. His yoke begins to bind, when it binds me to Him, it begins to change me. It begins to motivate me it begins to restore me and then I want to restore because my God's patterns are restoration whatever that that he is I want to be you see what I'm saying so if he's moving a a different direction I want to go with him wherever it is that he's leading me to go I want to go with him whatever it is he's wanting to build I want to build with him and we see the difference here is that the enemy wants to destroy all things but God wants to restore all things so if there is a uh, place in uh a, a, a religion that would try to destroy that is the the fulfillment of the law in a incorrect matter come on somebody because the enemy likes to take the law he knows the truth better than you and I and he likes to twist it and he likes to manipulate but I'm here to tell you there is a truth that if you will get yoked to this kind of truth it will change everything about your life it'll change you and sometimes this yoke may tell you to drop coffee he hasn't told me that yet but he might tell you to do that. But if he tells you to do it, you'll do it because whatever he has on the other side of you letting go of coffee, I'm here to tell you, there's a glory that's getting, I feel the Holy Ghost now, there's a glory that's getting ready to hit God's people and he cannot have his stream polluted in this season. I said there's a flow that's getting ready to happen. There's an outpouring of God's spirit and I preached it not too long ago that the the, the latter glory that's coming will be greater than anything that you've ever thought about, that you've ever heard about, that you've asked about, but we have to be positioned right before we experience this kind of glory. So we have to say, search my heart. Search my mind. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in unity with the will of God. Together, work for me. The Bible says, uh, Romans he says all things, when, I, when, when I'm lined up like this, he said all things will begin to work together for the good of them who love the Lord and called according to His purpose. I want to be on the side of Jesus. I want to be on the side of Jesus. I'm going to drink some water because I feel like something's getting ready to shift. Turn your neighbor and say, I want to be on the side of Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? On the side of Jesus that was pierced, the blood, the water flowed, was birthing of the church, the birthing of the church, and that companionship with the bride, so walking side by side. If you're not walking side by side, you're on a yoked. And, and sometimes it's a tug. Now, the Bible doesn't tell you to don't go home and divorce your husband or your wife. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am telling you is some of us went ahead and married even though we knew better. And you're trying to change something that, that, that cannot be changed because they, they choose not to submit to God's will. And you knew it even before. 
But you chose. How many, I want, here's the word we're getting to. It's a choice. It's a choice to be different. It's a choice to be pure. It's a choice to live in peace. Come on. We can, some of us, we, we blame everything in our emotions on past generations. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. And, and right side by side, we see that the church is walking with the Christ and they're walking as an army and they're walking together simultaneously in sync. Why? Because the blood of God has redeemed them. Come on. The blood of God has redeemed them and the water of the Word is changing their thought process. So they're, think, they're starting to think the same. They're starting to walk the same. They're, they're starting to move the same. And here's what God is trying to do. He's trying to get us to dance with him in this season and in this hour that we are living in I can't dance with him if I can't see him if I can't look over and notice him I can't go his way if I'm somewhere back here on the back line God is saying it's time for you to move up it's time for you to rise up it's time for you to start speaking like I'm speaking it's time for you to start acting like I'm acting he said don't act like the world he said because the world didn't give you what I gave you and the world cannot take it away the only way that they can take it away is if you willingly choose to be like them. God has already renewed you. God has already changed you. We see this happen that, that Moses, and a lot of times it happens because we are in the middle of where God, oh I feel help now. Come on somebody. We're in the middle of where God is trying to take us. We're in the middle and we and we in the middle, in the meanwhile, we, we get uh, impatient. Come on somebody. We get impatient. And so we try to blend in because we're uncomfortable. We try to blend in because we want to feel something familiar because we are people of familiarity. I don't know about you, but I am very familiar with my ways. I'm very routine. I have that in me. I like to turn on some heat when it gets cold. Matter of fact, somebody turned on their air conditioner a while ago and I was like, Lord Jesus, help me because I like to be hot. And I, I think the reason I like to be hot is because the anointing's hot. You know what I'm saying? And I like to sweat it out because if I get too comfortable in the breeze, I'll get so comfortable that I lay back and I miss everything that God God is trying to tell me I'd rather be in a hot house because I know if I'm sweating I'm listening I wish I had somebody to help me if I'm sweating I'm, I, I want to be there I don't want to I don't want to miss what God is trying to say and so we're in the middle place and we see that the children of Israel when Moses was up on the mountain we can see while he was up on the mountain they were getting impatient they wanted to know what direction do we go where are we what where's our leader at you know what I'm saying and a lot of times we get impatient and rather than just sustain ourselves with the things that God has already promised us with the things that God has already declared sometimes you got to remind yourself of what has already been stated Come on, somebody. Sometimes the leader is not there to help you. Sometimes the prophetess is not in the house. Sometimes the prophet is not there to prophesy over you and prophesy you up out of the things that he's prophesied you up and out of 20 times already. And here you are still walking around in your wickedness and you want to blame everybody else. You need to put the finger right in your chest and say, it's already been said. Now I just got to walk out what's already been stated. Here they are, and they're, they're, they're upset because their leader has left them. And they're up, he's up on a mountain place, and he's praying, and he's taking too long. 
Talk back to me, church. He's taking too long with that prayer. We got to have this and we got to have that lined out and we got to have this, in, this one in place and we got to have that one in place. Where's our leader at? Well, maybe he's praying on what God's direction is for the body. I'm talking to some. I'm trying to encourage. I'm trying to help you because Moses was in a high place trying to hear from God but here we are in a low place trying to figure it all out, trying to work it out in our flesh, trying to work it out in ourselves to the point that we want some other God, some other idol in our life to lead us when the Lord has already declared the direction we should go. And they're down there. And here's Aaron. Good Aaron's. You know how they are. They just cave in. They give in to all the wicked ways. Now somebody's going to take that home. He said, he, I, listen, erase that from your mind. But Aaron, here he is. He is. He, he caves in to, to, I'm sure that they were giving him hell. I'm sure that they were pressing him. Where's the leader now? What, how, how are they going to direct us? What, how, is he gonna, how is he going to take us into the land of promise? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the things that were promised. He ain't even here. Where's he at? Where's he at? He's not going to lead us. We need a God to lead us. We need some kind of God to lead us. Make us an idol. Make us something to worship so that we're not just sitting here. Isn't it funny that when we get an idol, we, we go to, we, our flesh begins to turn to the things that we're familiar with because we want to feel secure. And here I'm telling you is that your flesh will pull you in a place of comfortability that is not secure. It may feel secure, but I'm here to tell you it will bring destruction over your life. It will kill you. It will still from you and I know that it's easy for us to feel more free outside the church outside of God's voice outside of God's word but I'm here to tell you this kind of freedom wants to take you down I said this kind of freedom wants to pull you back in the mess this kind of freedom wants to take you back into the addiction oh but the kind of freedom that Jesus gives to me all oh, the kind of freedom that Jesus gives to me that when I lay my head down on, on my pillow at night I have a freedom I have a peace I can sleep like a baby because I know that my lead ox is leading me he's leading me he's leading me he may not speak every word at every step but he's leading me and here comes Moses he's got the tablets in his hand what God had given them, the guidelines that God had given to them to abide by, to walk out. And on his way down, God begins to speak to him. And God begins to speak and tell Moses what's going on in the valley. And here they are throwing a party. Because when you get alone you get bored you want to feel and this is the problem with Pentecostals because we know what we feel when the Holy Ghost shows up but when you get alone at night you get alone by yourself and you don't have the word of God to lead you and direct you uh, and you don't have the goosebumps on your arms and then you're sitting there and you're going oh God where are you he's still there and he's watching what you're getting ready to do. And he knew what was going on down there. 
But here's where I want you to see the grace, okay? The grace steps in because he, Moses begins to pray for them. He begins to pray for them. Now I'm talking about the one that ridiculed the leadership. Where's, where's he at? He's, where's our leader? But he chooses. This is the picture of Jesus, you guys. He chooses to intercede for them anyway. He prayed for them and said, God, don't destroy your people. You know what you've promised your people. You know what you promised to Abraham. You know what you promised to Isaac. You know what you, you know that you told them that there's a land coming and, and you've got to be true to your word. Moses was saying, you got to be true to what you said. He's telling God this. And did you know what he reminded God of changed the mind of God in that moment? Oh, but watch this. When the leader got down there and saw what they were doing, because you know why? He's yoked to the same Spirit. So he couldn't see it. God knew it. God could see it. But when he began to see it, that same righteous indignation began to rise up in Moses. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. What upsets God must upset you. I'm going to say it again. What upsets God must upset you. You say, what are you talking about? Sin. Sin. Here they are partying. They've shaped and molded a calf with all the metals that they had so that they would have something that they could worship. Can I tell you, we will worship something. We will worship something. And as they are worshiping the idol, here comes Moses with the laws. And he's so mad that he throws it down and it breaks. And watch this. He took the, the, the golden calf and the Bible says he pulverized it. And he, and he put it in the water and he made them drink it. Here's what I want to tell you. Just, for, just stay with me. The Bible says when he threw down the tablets, he smashed them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Israel had committed adultery which is spiritual adultery. So he pulverized it, powdered it, made them drink it. Why? Because they were out of control. They were running. Uh, if you look up that, it literally means running naked. That's what it means. They were running out of control and they were running naked, which makes them, stay with me now, vulnerable. And the reason they were vulnerable, because there was enemies after them. And they would not have been ready to fight. You can't fight with your clothes off. Come on, somebody. You can't fight laying in somebody else's bed. Oh, can I just say it? You can't fight thinking about somebody else's bed. God's people called to be separate. Why? Because God had given them a, a, a special assignment. The separation is not for condemnation. The separation is for greater manifestation. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. 
The separation is not for condemnation, but the separation is for greater manifestation, which means for God to get the glory. Non-Christians know what God's standards are. And they're waiting for a church to look the standard. The world is looking in to see the difference. And that is not getting drunk on Saturday night. And coming in on Sunday getting my praise on. And I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen people come in and talk about what they did on Saturday night and be so emotional about what they did Saturday and sit like a knot on a log on Sunday. Can't be moved. Oh, but if you talk about the Jim Bean they had the night before, let's get on something that's going to make them emotional. I'd rather be emotional for him than be messed up for them. Come on, somebody. God is looking for us to be different. And that's in your conversation too. Let's just go ahead and dig deep. Because we can sit here and we can look the part and we can form our little cliques. And you know why we like cliques? Because we can get comfortable in the clique. When we're comfortable in the click, then we get loose. Then the next thing you know, we can say something a little screwed. And all of a sudden, you're falling in a path of destruction. You're falling in a path of destruction. I'm going to say it again. The church has been falling in a path of destruction when the church is the bride. The church is the one God is raising up. The church, you, the reason you're hearing remnant is because God is separating a people. The reason that you're hearing that so much is because God is doing it one last time. He's purifying His house because what's getting ready to hit His house is, uh, is like something that we've never seen before. God's goal is to save the nations of the world. And so, I believe that this is the reason we've felt squeezed in the last couple of years. I believe that the reason I saw that, that ringing out, remember, I don't know if you remember, but in the Spirit, I begin to see the, like a rag being wrung out. And I believe that God has been doing that, wringing us out, like what Pastor Amanda was saying, uh, back to a small matter. Reducing us down to, to nothing. Because when we're nothing, God can do something. And for 3,000 men's lives was the party worth it. I want you to think about that. For 3,000 men's life was the good time worth it. Let me just go, let me just get on our level. Was the few seconds of pleasure worth losing your life? Think about it. Losing your destiny. Losing the promise, the land promised to you, everything that was promised and declared, is it worth it for amount, just a, just a few seconds? Oh, but nobody saw it. Oh, but one did. 
One did. And he sees it every time. I'm not condemning. I just want to put a, I just want to put a reminder out there that, that yes, he redeemed us. But it's up to you to live out your sanctification. He, he, he did it all by himself. I can't work it up enough. There's no way that I can work up salvation. Just like I can't work up a move of the Holy Spirit. But I can choose to walk by the Word. I can choose to read the Word. I can choose to have time with Him. I can choose to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I can choose. He's showing us not, not His condemnation. I want to get this clear. But He's showing us the intensity of His love. You say, how, do, how can He love me if He wants to destroy me? Because love is jealous. If somebody else is with your wife, there ain't nothing more. that You, you, you want to get mad? Let somebody mess with your significant other. Let somebody try to come in and steal her from you. You watch what, what rises up. It's the same affection. God gave you that affection because you will fight for what you've worked for. You will fight, listen, for what you've died for. You will do whatever it takes to be in relationship with the one you love. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody. And it's not them. It was the Spirit behind what was going on. It was the Spirit. And in order for God to bring forth a pure stream, He has to wipe away before He can clear something up. And we see that as the day of Pentecost fell, you've heard Pastor Amanda talk about this, Acts 2, when the, when the power of God began to fall and Peter stood up and he started to preach, guess how many people got saved? 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because God always restores what the enemy brings for harm. God always will bring life where the enemy means for death. God will always restore what the enemy is trying to destroy. And what I want you to know is that there is greater glory coming. That's why that we have to deal with our iniquities. That's why we have to deal with our flesh. Titus, he begins to say, marvelous grace has manifested, chapter 2, in person, bringing salvation. Glory to God for that. Praise the Lord. But keep going and it says, he has given that same grace to teach me how to live each day. And as I turn my back on ungodliness, and he's talking about uh, indulging lifestyles, coffee, <laughs> self-controlled, uh, upright, Godly, whatever the ungodliness, whatever the case may be, he gives us that grace to overcome. And he says, uh, he says, he says in, in Galatians chapter number five and 19 and 21, he goes down the line. He begins to show us what we need to stay, uh, steer clear from. He says, sexual immorality, steer clear from sexual immorality. He says, the lustful thoughts, steer clear from those lustful thoughts. He says, pornography, steer clear from that. Chasing for uh, after things instead of God. 
God. Whatever you would chase after that, that's not in line with God's will for your life, steer. if that's going to pull you in the wrong direction, do not go in that way. And he says, he says senseless arguments. Don't get angry for nothing. That, that ain't even going to fix anything. Uh, you, you might fight them. You might win the fight. But is it really truly winning the war? You're not going to fix anything. Now you've got separation with a, uh, a relationship. And how are you going to show them grace? And how are you going to show them love when you've already uh, when you've given them a black eye and a busted lip? Being envious of of the blessings of others. When God blesses your brother, when God blesses your sister, the best thing you can do is give God praise for the blessing He gave them. That's the best thing you can do. Don't murder. Don't be uncontrolled. Don't be uh, uh, an, an addict addicted to anything but Him. Don't go to wild parties. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. And all the other similar behaviors. He says, I warned you that those who use their freedom for the things that will not inherit the king, for, for their pleasure, their flesh, their things, will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Another one. Don't be in love. Who? This is going to be good. Don't be in love with your own opinion. That's in the Word, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be in love with your own opinion. Man, I ain't got much to say outside of His Word. I can tell you right now, I don't have much to say. You know what the world is going to hell in a handbasket because of? Our own opinions. And it's mingled in with truth. Look at Facebook. It's all about the truth I know. And the problem is I. And the problem is my Facebook. What about his Facebook? What about what he wants rather than what pleases me? What makes me feel good for about that long? Whatever it may be, coffee. No, you've convicted me. I'm, I'm a mess now. Because ain't nobody loves coffee more than me. Everybody stand to your feet. I told you this was different. There's so much more meat. And uh, I love to feel the goosebumps, love to praise, love to tell you you're going to have victory. I love all that. And honestly, I, I can get in the flow of that and preach that. That's, that's, I love to encourage you. I love to encourage you. But if I encourage you to hell... I love you enough to tell you the truth. And there's incredible families sitting in this house that I will not on my watch allow the enemy to get in and creep in and steal your marriage, steal your destiny. 
Steal everything that's been prophesied over your life. What good is the prophecy if we're not walking it out? And I'm just going to tell you, Amanda already said it. Sin takes the hand of God off of your life. Well, I want to be blessed. Well, I want God to pay off this. And I, Listen, if you want God to bless your life, stay beside Him. Who's on, the, who's on Jesus' side? Who's on the Lord's side? That's what God has called. Are you on Jesus' side? Or are you on the world's side? Because there's no in-between ground. And let me just go ahead and say this. To, for every lying spirit of the enemy that would say that there's no two destinations. I'm here to tell you, there is a hell that's hot. You think your trial's hot? Just wait till you get to your destination. You think life is is hard wait till you're burning for eternity where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not which means your mind will not shut off every time god gave you the opportunity to get it right it's real it's real and you have to understand just as much as heaven is real hell is a real place And if I'm going to live in sin, if I'm going to have a lifestyle of sin, if I'm going to fellowship with sin, I will not make it into the gates of heaven. I can't go to heaven and and live in sin willingly. I can't do it. That's enough for me to get it right. But let me tell you even better than that. I don't want to live a lifestyle outside of His love. You say, why? Because I've been a mighty long way with my Lord. And He's pulled me out of a lot of mess. He has fixed my marriage. He has fixed my bank account. He has, I, you say, and, 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 and the reason for the trial is because God trusts you enough. The reason for the trial is because God trusts you enough. If He didn't put you in a trial, He wouldn't trust you with it. And the reason that He gives us the trial is to cultivate the character of Christ. Come on, just lift your hands right now. And, and, and I just ask you to ask the Lord, say, as David, search me. As hard as the pride may be in us, as long as we allow the pride to stop it, we can always stay in the place of limitation I don't want to live limited by my own pride I don't want to live limited and God is he he has poured out his love he has poured out his purpose he said that he had a purpose and a plan for each and every person in this house he's no respecter of people maybe he blessed somebody beside you because they chose to be committed to him I'm just saying. I know that, 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 we all, that we're in a sin-cursed world. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. I know that there's wicked people who are blessed and they live a lavish life. But I promise you when they lay their head on their pillow at night, they, there's no soundness in their spirit. They are, they are confused in all their ways. They may have everything, but truly they have nothing. And I I just hear the Lord say, I want to give you peace. 
come on, lift your hands right now. This is a new, this is something. I just, I just ask you to just ask the Lord right now in your own way. God, search me. Search me. If there be any idol, coffee, whatever the idol may be, if there be any idol that is greater, if I need something else before I go to you, there you go. If I need something else before I get to you, then I need to remove that out of my, that's an idol. If I need to go to Instagram before I go to the Word, I, I need to get rid of Instagram. If I got to go to Facebook to get a Word, I, I, I got to get rid of Facebook. Because yes, there may be a quote and there may be a scripture, but that might not be what God wants you to, to, to listen to in that moment. Whatever is standing in the way of you and Him, Whatever standing in the way of me and you, Father. I just ask you right now to say, search me. And then, after you pinpoint maybe something, ask God to remove it. Ask Him for forgiveness. Not because His blood is not enough but because you desire Him more than you desire anything else. Just say, Lord, forgive me for allowing whatever that is. And go ahead and speak it out of your mouth. Don't worry about what your neighbor thinks. Matter of fact, go ahead and just lay into that. We're going to create some noise because I want you to get it out of you. Let's get it out. Whatever it is, lust, addiction, pride, greed, Whatever the case may be, Lord, whatever the idol is, God, Instagram, Facebook, coffee, whatever the case, whatever is before you, God, remove it from our lives, God. We want to move from you more than we want a fix of this world. We need you to fix this world. I can't fix this world if I'm always running to my fix. I can't fix this world with your voice if there's something in the way of what you want to say. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you right now to pull down every idol. God, fill up your people with your presence so that Dagon's will fall and break to pieces. In the name of Jesus, may your dream be bigger than every Dagon. May your will be bigger than every idol right now. Lord, magnify yourself in the midst. I'm asking Jesus to arise. Let God arise. Let God arise in this place. Come on, somebody. Let God arise in you right now. Just begin to make a noise. Make some kind of sound of surrender. Come on. Come on. Come on, let something come out of you. Lord, we ask for God to arise and every enemy be scattered. Lord, we're not going to live in fear anymore. We're not going to live in condemnation. We're not going to live in depression. We're not going to live in guilt anymore. Lord, we're going to walk side by side. We will be your bride by your side, Father. And we ask you, Lord, to lead us and guide us. And we ask you, Lord, to direct us. And Lord, mold us and shape us, God, into who you want us to be. God, we'll quit shaping what we want to to do. And God, we're asking you to shape us. We're asking you to mold us. 
Lord, we're asking you so that we can reflect who you are to this world. We cannot change the world if you don't change us. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now, change the way that we think. Change the way that we operate as a church. Change our routines and traditions. Change the way that service goes. Whatever it is, God, that you want to do, do it right now, Father. Do it on the inside of the passionate. Do it on the inside of those who want you more than anything else. I'm asking you to do it. In the name of Jesus. I'm just going to call an altar call. If you have something in your life that's between you and the Lord, I want you to come forward. I want to agree with you for breakthrough. I want to agree with you for breakthrough. And don't miss the moment. I know that people are watching you. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter the eyes that are on you right now. There's bigger eyes that are watching this moment right now. There's some bigger eyes that matter most. And so if you would say, you know what? There are some things that I need to get rid of. I want you to come forward at this time. There are some things I got to get rid of. Come forward at this time. Let me just put it this way. If you want to be blessed, come forward at this time. Isn't that awesome? Because we'll come forward for the blessing. But we won't come to be broken. Thank you. Come on, guys. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you, Lord, for what's coming beyond this point is greater than anything that's behind us. I pray for the man and woman of God, and I thank you that their house will be blessed because they chose for it to be blessed today. God, I thank you for your hand that's upon them. And Lord, I thank you for the grace that you're placing in them, God, to move and to be led. I thank you, Lord, that nothing will hinder it. I thank you, Lord, we lay it down beside Lord Jesus. We lay it down. We lay it down and we declare breakthrough in their house. And I praise you, God, because the things that tried are being destroyed right now. I thank you, God, because the thing that's been a wall is falling right now. The barrier is being broken. Chains are falling off. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for a fresh anointing on this couple. I thank you for a fresh wind upon them, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Levites that's coming forward. Lord, the Levites that chose to come forward, that chose to be on the side of the Lord, that chose to follow you. They neglected everything else to be with you. And I believe, God, you're raising up some Levites that will leave all of the things that please them in order to be with you. I thank you for some Levites who's going to take care of the tabernacle, who's going to take care of the temple, who's going to carry the presence of God in a tangible and powerful way. I thank you, Lord, right now that there is a tangible anointing that's coming out of this moment. Even in your home, even things you've prayed about, God says that I am going to, there's a, there's a glory that's going to shine on you because you chose to be the difference. You chose to be the difference. And when you choose to be the difference, God allow, arrive and shine for your light has come yes there's gross darkness but you will be the difference in the darkness you will be the distinct difference in the darkness and people are going to recognize and people will be changed by the glory that's raiding off of you
radiating off of you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Your power, God, your anointing. Let it flow. The washing, the washing of the word. The word is washing me. The word is healing me. <laughs> the word is changing me. Ooh, there's healing coming on Janice right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Not by man nor by might. Not by any ability but His power. His power is cleansing. Is cleansing the heart. Is cleansing the mind. Is washing the feet of the old. The dust is shaking off. The dust is being shaken off. It's coming off. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, power of God. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your anointing that breaks every yoke. Lord, we change our thought process when we declare, God, you are enough. <laughs> you are enough. Your word is enough. Being with you is enough, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you are cleansing. There's a cleansing. There's a, cle there's a pure cleansing right now. Shoo. Thank you, Lord. On the hearts of your people, I see it. Like water from heaven, there's a cleansing. There's, there's, there's some stuff washing away. Lord, there's sanctification coming for the house. There's consecration coming. There's a lifestyle of sanctification that's coming and a cleansing that's coming. And old habits will not creep back in in the name of Jesus. We declare it and decree it in Jesus' name. I pray strength, God. I pray revitalization, God. Restoration, Father. And we give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, that your word is leading us. We thank you, Lord, that your word has illuminated uh, the things that's inside us, the things that's distracting us, the things that are in the way of our breakthroughs, the things that's in the way of our turnaround, the fullness of what you have for us. We release it unto you now. We hope you enjoyed this word. If you would like to hear more messages like this one, please take a second and click the subscribe button. And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.